You are listening to Primal Radio, the podcast dedicated to combat sports, martial arts, self-defense, and the warrior mindset. And here are your hosts from Hamilton, New Jersey, Jim McCann, and London, England, Tom McGrath. <laughs> All right. I'm Mo Radio. We're back, Tom. What is up, brother? So we have a very strange Dr. Watson boxing update today. Because we, we have we do. no Dr. Watson. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we, we do not. He is MIA. So he has dropped us a message saying he's too drunk to do the show. <laughs> he's been drinking in Singapore in some bar. I saw him post something like a relatively articulate breakdown of the fight. But um, yeah, we don't actually have him. I think he's just got gone a bit too far on the drinking. We're talking about the Fury Wilder fight last night, which was great. And one of the challenges about doing the boxing update show is that I'm in New York or Philly in between, and Tom's in London, and Andy's in Singapore. The time zones mean basically we can only record on a Sunday. Right. It's an early start for you. Right. It's a late evening for Andy, and like kind of it's the middle of the day for me, which is which cool. Look, but yeah, but that can still suck if you have other plans, you know, or wanted to do something else that kind of cuts out your day. But anyway, as a result, the fight was on Las Vegas time, which messes us up on each So when it's on Vegas time, what time is it there for you to watch the fight? It's like 5 or 6 a.m. It's like very oh. unsociable hours. My life has been watching these great fights sort of thing, staying up. And like sometimes you'll, you'll have all your friends around you and they're all asleep and you're like, right, it's finally on. And you're like trying to wake them up and they just won't, you know. <laughs> <laughs> Right, so you start the night off, let's say, going out for a couple beers or whatever, maybe you stay at a pub and you make make it back to your flat, right, to have the fights on, and everyone wants to go to bed. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's, that sucks. That's terrible. Yeah, I thought in the East Coast it was bad. Years ago, I don't think they took, they just did it East Coast time, but now the fights here come on around 11 or 12 p.m., and as I've gotten older, it has become more difficult for me. I just want to go to bed, you know, watch the fight on in the morning. See, that's quite a good time midnight because you you do your night out and then you watch the fight when you come home. So you kind of you're right. you're constantly building up to it, right? Which right, and the problem with that, we were doing such good build up that sometimes you just didn't watch the fight because <laughs> 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 you're too fucked up to watch the fight. Yeah. You know, I mean, the great, the great thing these days you can catch the highlights. I mean, that's actually what I've done in this instance. Right. Right. In the old days, you couldn't do that. You just watch it. So anyway, we wish Andy uh, a quick recovery. Maybe we should start a GoFund page for him. <laughs> Get some money for some more booze. <sighs> but, but anyway, shit. We did a show, like a special, dedicated to the last one of this fight. And yeah. it, it was a great show. And I don't think we could have predicted it to be as big a fight as it was. And it really, over here, it catapulted Tyson Fury from being a sort of, you know, slightly obscure boxer that had really upset the world when he beat Klitschko. And no doubt, I think it kind of catapulted him to being a, a household name, um, despite not winning the fight. Right. How's America taken to him? They love him. He's a character. Tyson Fury transcends the sport of boxing. All great athletes... You know, to get to that level of stardom, I'm McGregor, I'm Muhammad Ali, Mike Tyson, Michael Jordan. They transcend the sport. They're bigger than life superstars. So I think Tyson Fury has kind of put himself at that level. A weird kind of joking guy. Looked like he was a fun guy to have a couple of beers with, no doubt. 
and really proven that he has got the goods. He's got a certain something. I was watching some of the pundits in the middle of the night, just checking out what different pundits said about it. And not unlike Muhammad Ali can really change his game and have a bunch of different looks. He gets in their head. You know, he can fight right-handed forward, right-handed backwards. He can be an aggressive fighter. He can be a counterpuncher. It's pretty magnificent to see. And I honestly believe right now that he is the best heavyweight champion out there right now. And I don't think anyone can touch him. Yeah. I mean, anybody's beatable, but I think he's that good. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see Joshua, but I think we'll come on to that in a bit. Right. Did the fight go the way you expected it to go? Not at all. You know, I run a boxing gym. We've heard about it. Primal gym. <laughs> and, uh, it, you know, we're talking. Everyone, it's it because everyone's an expert. Everyone knows everything. Nobody predicted that Wilder would finish the fight via TKO or knockout or whatever for a stoppage. And uh, really the thought process was Fury was the better boxer, that Fury would have to go the distance, much like the first fight, keep Wilder off balance, score the points, avoid the big right hand. Uh, if the fight was going to end quicker, Wilder would be the one obviously with that big right hand to finish the fight. I'm sure that'll change when I go back to the gym tomorrow. I told you. No, you didn't. <laughs> yeah. No one predicted that. You know, and I didn't even read anybody predict that. When you read, you know, Mike Tyson, who thinks he's going to win it, or McGregor, who, you know, no, I don't recall reading a single individual who predicted the fight to come out this way. He's known to be an awkward fighter, and he's got a lot of tricks. I mean, he sort of like leg swiped right, right. <laughs> Wilder a couple of times, as an example. He locked him up a lot, but. I thought he was very aggressive, always on the front foot, more so than in the on the first fight. And it really seemed to disrupt Wilder. Let me go back for a second. Earlier in the week, Apollo, which is Adam's, one of my MMA fighters' father, who's one of the coaches at the gyms, and he had said Fury was talking about moving forward on Wilder. And in general, the rule of thumb is you're not moving forward on a, onto a power puncher. You want to cut angles, stay away from their power shot, whether it be the left hook or the right hand. And I said, wow, that's ballsy move. But it turned out to be the perfect uh, recipe. Wilder was on, on his heels. He was off balance the whole time. Made it a street fight. I really enjoy fighting that with my box guy. When you're just in their face and keep coming. And he did some great things when he got to the inside. Not only did he hold appropriately, but then he put his weight on Wilder. I, I've been working that with some fighters who have different styles. So, I, as a matter of fact, my son who's boxing in the Golden Gloves this coming week, uh, and how to put your weight on a guy because he's tall. So, when a guy comes up under, underneath you and you lean on him, put your head on their shoulder, it, they have to carry your weight. And it seems like not such a big deal. It's a huge deal. You're, you know, all of a sudden, Wilder's having to carry a couple hundred pounds on his shoulder, and he's got to use all this strength to push that bigger guy off. And it's, it slows you down. And it's, I thought it was a great strategy, you know, upon reflection. He's obviously picked up a lot of these techniques from the sort of world of the gypsy fighting. How much sort of like knowledge is there in America of that? Does that sort of like lifestyle transcend into the US? The traveler lifestyle? Nah, I don't think so. The Irish travelers come over here. I, I, we had one of the guys, what, there's one big name family. And they made a, a documentary on it, a knuckle. Do you know the documentary? I ever yeah, yeah. Sorry, I haven't seen it, but I do. I'm I am familiar with it. Yeah. I'm trying to remember the name of the family. 
and who the, the star bare knuckle boxer was, who's, who's now retired. Anyway, long and short of it is, his nephew was in my gym training for a while. <laughs> so he traveled to the U.S. to do whatever work he was doing. I, I think it was construction. And he was in the area for about a week. A really nice guy. It was very slick. He was a bare knuckle guy, too. Don't let that fool you. A lot of these guys know a lot of interesting boxing tricks. He stayed on the inside a lot, using his hands, defending stuff. Um, real nice guy. Couldn't read, though, which I thought was interesting. Smart guy. And he was articulate, a likable guy. But I guess the lifestyle led to uneducated, you know? That'd be common. It's kind of an outcast thing in the UK. You know, you, they move from one town to another. Right. But there's a lot of crime sort of associated with the traveler lifestyle as well. But I'm sure. Yeah, in his case, you know, there's numerous good boxers in his family with him being, you know, by far the star of the show. Right. So there's a lot of cool tricks and a lot of knowledge in the family. That all absolutely helps. And look, it also is Fury's athleticism, his ability to take it and troubleshoot it. I mean, I could tell you everything there is to know about whatever it is I'm doing, but you might not have any ability to do it. So you have to have a nice, healthy combination between the two. And Fury does. I mean, he is a smart fighter. He came right out there. So when he came right out after Wilder, what were you thinking? Were you thought, well, what the hell is he doing? You thought that was a ballsy move? It surprised me. What? I didn't see that in the first fight. I felt during the break... You know, between fights, I was—I know, I know they both had, I think, one fight each. The one that Andy went to for Wilder and then the, the Schwartz fight for Fury. But there was question marks to my mind, and I think there always will be around whether Tyson's, Tyson Fury is going to maintain that discipline, the love right. for the boxing and, and, you know, be the dedicated professional that he can be. And I did see Andy was remarking that Wilder had sort of like beefed up a little bit for this fight, although I didn't notice that in the ring. Yeah, he came in at like 270, something, 273 pounds. I think he was about 15, 20 pounds heavier. And also Fury, about another 20 pounds heavier as well. You know, on the surface, people are like, why would you want to gain weight? But, you know, when you're that big, 20 pounds is not that big of a deal <laughs> to carry on your body. And uh, he used it well. It made him a more powerful fighter. Fury was actually 19 pounds heavier, to be exact. And then when he came after him, and, he, and it, the first round, you know, I definitely scored for Fury. I imagine you did as well. Yeah, you w- w- walk me through the scores for each round. You go to the official scorecards, right? And you'll look at it. Definitely Fury won the first round. All the judges uh, gave the first round to Fury, you know, 10-9. And then the second round was interesting because two of the judges ruled it for Fury and one ruled it for Wilder. I ruled it for Fury. I didn't see it that way, but... I guess you, like anything else, you could make that argument. It's it's close enough. The the rest of the rounds went absolutely to Fury. Now the the, the third round was the knockdown round, which was a great knockdown. Would you did you so it hit him kind of toward the back of the head by the ear? If you get really in all combat sports behind the ear, between the ears, the back is an illegal shot. It was not a planned thing. It's just how. Wilder was moving yeah. slightly and turning his head and kind of caught him to the back of the head. It's completely, look, it's going to happen. It wasn't being aimed for. And it sounded like once that shot happened, that Wilder never fully recovered. Yeah. And funnily enough, I thought that shot was the kind of shot that Wilder would do. Right. Right. The way he throws that big shot. Absolutely. Look, when a guy throws a big overhand right for, to you, often it is instinctual to kind of turn your head away lean over your back foot and try to 
get out of the way of that reach of that punch or at the very end of it. And they weren't closer when that happened, but it does happen in the calf. So the fight, you know, in boxing, you're not allowed to turn your back. But in that moment in time when you're throwing punches at each other, you're rolling, bobbing, and weaving, and covering. You know, there are times where you're almost turn your back, you know, or sl- slightly to it. And I think Wilder was just kind of turning away, got caught, and certainly, look, he went straight down. It, it was like someone yanked his legs out from under him. I was surprised he got up that quick, though. He took it really yeah. well. He went down a few times throughout the fight. I mean, obviously in the fifth, like, notably, but would those have counted against him? Although, you know, they were more like tripping him up or getting pushed to the ground. There was only one knockdown that was ruled, which was that that when the when he fell down twice and the, right after he fell down again, actually there was a second knockdown. Sorry, to the body shot. I apologize. In the fifth, yeah, yeah. In the fifth, I, I'm, you're right. Um, but when he fell down again in the second, it was a balanced shot. He's being leaning on him. But when you see that happen, working the corner so many times for so many years, it's really because the fighters hurt or extraordinarily fatigued. Yeah. Although not ruled a knockdown, which is right. I would encourage my fighter to go after them because they're obviously fatigued. Of course, the danger of going after Wilder, he's like a caged animal, a hurt animal in the corner of a cage. They're going to come out swinging. And uh, like I said, I think it was essentially over when he knocked it out with that great left hook to the body. Now, that was half balance shot and half body shot. I don't think he really went to the canvas because of the body shot. I think he went down to the canvas because of the balance. But it counts as a knockdown. Do you follow what I'm saying? Sure, yeah, yeah. From the fourth onwards, he starts to sort of like really connect with the jab on a regular basis. Wilder's face is starting to look a bit worse. What was your opinion on when they threw the towel in? Obviously, Wilder wasn't happy. Right, so we get to that point, and without a doubt, Fury looked like he was going to win the fight and knock out Wilder at some point in time. The fear is, and I don't want to keep reiterating that, is that you're unloading on this guy who just has his bazooka. You know? yeah. And at any time could shoot that bazooka at you and change the game. So as I'm watching, I'm going, oh, man, I mean, if Wilder can get his right foot back, hunker down on it and drop a big one, it could change the, the name of it. But he had, going back, he, Fury was tagging him with some really clean, powerful shots. And really how it's ruled is, is that you know, if a fighter is not defending himself intelligently is the word. Yeah. You know, you don't necessarily have to come back with the punch, but you have to defend yourself intelligently, whatever the hell that means. And he obviously was not. I think prior to Bayless, uh, the referee, I saw that the corner was throwing the towel in and then stopped it, which was interesting because as if I was working his corner, would I have thrown that towel in at that moment in time? I think I would have been thinking about it. I'm not sure I would have thrown it in at that time. Then I was hearing that there was some conversation as early as the fifth that was Wilder really together in the fight. Like maybe they should stop the fight. He wasn't really there. He might not even remember several of those rounds in that fight. Maybe they were seeing that. His eyes were glazed over. He was really working on instinct. And maybe they thought, look, I don't want him to be hurt. That guy, I forget the, the Wilder's trainer's name, his coach. It's escaping me at the moment. But he's been with him since the beginning. So it's not like a new guy. So they know each other very well. And I'm sure he made the decision that was best for his fighter. To throw in the towel for your fighter is not an easy thing to do. You have to dance a very fine line. What if 
Tyson Furious corner through in the towel when he hit the canvas, you know, in the first fight, yeah. you know, and didn't allow the count to go on or something like that, you know? It changes history. So that was it. So Baylor's did the right thing. It was a stop. And, and you saw Wilder, you know, kind of like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and that's why they don't get to make the decision if the fight goes on or not. Right. It's entirely up to the corner or up to the officials or the judges of the state athletic commission or whoever it is. It's never up to the fighters because these guys are warriors. I mean, Wilder, I'm not necessarily the biggest fan of his, but he's a warrior. That guy comes to fight. He's not afraid. He would have fought to the death, and he'd have been okay with that. As he said, he wanted to go out on his shield, which I'm surprised he knew that expression. <laughs> but he did. I've had guys like that. Why are you stopping? And, ah, it's because he's not your day. No fighter wants to hear that. But those are, you know, will be things that if they have a third fight, that will be revisited. Well, Wilder would say, and these aren't excuses, just will be talking points, where that he was hit more toward the back of the head, which he never recovered from, and his corner stopped the fight, which he would have never wanted to happen. So in his mind, he might he may be able to justify that he didn't actually lose the fight. So Wilder's thirty four, does he like go start going on reality TV shows or does he you know, I can't see there being a third fight? Because most people felt Fury had won the first fight. I agree with you. Again, listening to the different pundits talking about it, they said absolutely a third fight could happen. Do I need to see or want to see a third fight? Not in any way. Because Fury, quite honestly, won both fights handily as well. You know, even though the first fight went to a, a draw, there's no reason to see a third. Not unlike you see a Lennox Lewis, excuse me, a Tyson Holyfield or something like that, where there's a rubber match. You win one, I win one, and then we fight for the thing. Ollie Frazier. For this one, there's not no need. The money might drive that. I would rather see Fury go on to fight Joshua. I think that's what will happen. And this is where it would be good to have Dr. Watson to make a comment about, you know, the health of British boxing. But without rubbing it in, we do have, you know, the two heavyweight champions of the world. If they fight, I wonder whether they do it in Vegas for all the, the American green or whether they do it at Wembley Stadium here in London. <laughs> American Green. You know, and I, I'm thinking of that. I think they got to do it at Wembley Stadium. How fucking insane would that be? Yeah. I, would there be more money in Vegas? I don't know, possibly just because of the everything that goes on in Vegas. I think you got to do that in the UK in Wembley Stadium. Is that the biggest stadium? Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Home of football. It's London Stadium, yeah. So you want to be that guy who spends, you know, a thousand pounds to sit in the top row in the back corner of the fucking stadium. Well, you have to watch it on your phone anyway. <laughs> and you're paying way too much for beers. Yeah. You know, but it would, it would sell. How many people can fit in that stadium? It's 90,000 for football, but for boxing, obviously, it'd be a lot more because right. it's uh, the half that pitch will be taken up with it's seats. A, and Right. You can fit up 100,000. Yeah. People. We have done really big kind of stadium arena fights over here. Vast majority of Joshua's career have been like big fights over here. You know, I think those. That's where it should be. I think that the fans would be out of control. It would be a huge excitement. Great for the UK. Great for the economy. <laughs> Without yeah, a doubt. Need <laughs> you need a boost. I think it would be fantastic. I would rather see it there. Vegas always seems to get it. And that, who knows? But that's kind of up to 
Eddie Hearn, I guess is... Yeah, Eddie Hearn and Frank Warren, so they're the two big names in British boxing. Eddie sort of overtaken Frank in terms of his influence, and he puts on these fantastic shows. Not the most popular man, but uh, yeah, those two will have to bang some heads together and get that fight made, right? Yeah, right. So I would listen how you would think so. I mean, Fury, he really beat Wilder, and he had two fights after that. Schultz and uh, there was another gentleman, I can't remember his name. And then back to Wilder again. Joshua did come back from Ruiz, but um, I think as of right now, I would have to say Fury would take apart Joshua. That's just my opinion; it means nothing, but just how I I would I would think he would do it. Joshua is, is a much better boxer than Wilder. Wilder, like, a, is just not a great boxer. He had just had that one thing that he could do really well. He, do, he was able to troubleshoot guys and figure out what to do to drop that right hand. But he did have that Achilles heel. Yeah. Which is that he couldn't couldn't really box. I mean, Ortiz, when he fought, even though uh, Wilder knocked Ortiz out in whatever round that was in their last fight, Ortiz won every single round. Yeah. You know, and then you make the mistake and bam, there goes the bomb. Joshua won't do that. But I think Fury certainly has what it takes to, to beat an Anthony Joshua. I don't know. What's your take on it? Have you thought about it? What's the consensus? I think so. Again, it would be good to like refer to Dr. Watson on this, but it just feels like the momentum's <laughs> with Fury. Without a doubt. I feel like I've seen the best of him. You know, it felt like Klitschko. Is Klitschko old and like, you know, is it just a really awkward fight and he hasn't trained properly for this? Then the Wilder fight, you know, the first Wilder fight, he didn't win it ultimately, although we all thought he boxed better. But I just feel the momentum's with Fury. I think he looked as confident as I've ever seen it. You know, it was a bit of a destruction last night. Whereas if I compare that to Joshua, the momentum was with him. And then the Ruiz fight, I think, set him back. He was going to break America. I think it really didn't work out for him. I'll put simply. <laughs> no, no, absolutely. And I, now, are the UK fans, which are really big sports fans, and then Irish fans all over there, who would be the, the favored one? Not necessarily by skill, but who who would have more fans there at the stadium? Would it be really divided? Would it be like two football teams playing and in a neutral area? It'd be fifty fifty, or would the lion's share be for one fighter or the other? I think what's interesting about it is you know if there was one British fighter, the nation would get behind that British fighter. I think Joshua has been like the poster boy. You know, his face is on everything. He's very marketable over here. And he seemed absolutely unbeatable until that Ruiz fight. Fury's star's really grown over like the last couple of years. You know, as I say, that Klitschko fight felt like an anomaly. Since then, since the Wilder fight, you know, seeing his character grow, his confidence grow, the quality of his boxing... I think it would be a mix, maybe even in favour of Fury, because everyone likes a character. You know, you see it with Conor McGregor all the time. No, that's true. It'll be interesting to see how that'll flesh out. But we won't know. I guess we'll have to see in the next coming days what the talk is, if it's a rematch or is Joshua willing, uh, you know, to take that fight. That would be the big money fight. That'd be the title unification. That's the fight that really needs to happen. I don't think, for the most part, outside of Wilder and his immediate people, yeah, no, no one wants to see that fight again. Unless it's, it's, uh, do you know if Joshua has another fight coming up shortly? Because I don't know that. I imagine he does. Doc would know, but Doc's not here. He's got a sick day. I might be thinking back to last year, but I think there was like some sort of like Wembley Stadium booking made for something like April for a Joshua fight. 
Well, look, hey, man, well, that was a great fight last night. Excellent. I mean, if you haven't seen it, go out and check it out, wherever the hell it is that you find it. Definitely worth watching, one of the more entertaining heavyweight fights. And with the characters, you know, with Joshua and Wilder and Fury and some of these others, the heavyweight division has gotten a resurgence that it has not had probably in 20 years. I mean, Klitschko, as good as he was, That's right. nobody gave a shit. <laughs> you know, he, he fought in Germany uh, against obscure opponents in a giant arena and it was boring. And now there's a life uh, force that has been breathed into that division. It's weird how it happens in heavyweight. It takes, it's like every 20 years, you got to ca- cast the characters that come out and produce. Uh, so hopefully it stays for just a little bit. They don't fuck it up too much. Well, <laughs> I've shared the uh, highlights on the Primal Radio Facebook page. I saw that was a great clip. That was good. Good job. Dr. Watson will have him back in about a month and give our fans a update. Hopefully we'll know a bit more about the landscape of what's coming up then. Right now, look, quick that on my boy Scrap. Uh, we're fighting again a shit in, I think, a couple more weeks. Scrap is now 7-1-1. One, and one. Ironically, the one loss that we had against Paul Crow, we've been sparring him, going down to Philly and working with him. I wish we'd have fought him again. He won't fight us again. <laughs> it, it was an anomaly. It was good for Paul. He's a nice kid. But he was given a gift from God that he could say it was Scrap's champ. Scrap right now is the 60, ranked 61 okay. in the country. Climbing. Yeah. Yeah. So we'll be top 40 maybe by our yeah. next fight. We have a fight. You know, so next week, next week we're fighting. Shit, I forgot. <laughs> As I am more involved in professional fighting, holy shit, you guys have no clue what happens. I guess I'm going to have to spill the beans. How it really works out, it is fascinating. Yeah, that'd be great. And put together like a little highlight reel of Scrap, because our fans, maybe if they're less familiar with him, I mean, he's really like knocking everyone out that he fights. You saw that last fight, 36 yeah, seconds. Incredible. That was great. Right, I mean, that was a perfectly timed punch from basics. We drill a combination like that and how to do it. And, you know, he just timed it perfectly and ended it. That That's how it should be. Go, yeah, he's got 66% knockout ratio. Really just the things it should be. It would be a little bit higher. But uh, it was a good show, quick show on the Fury Wilder fight. Go out and catch it. Check us out on Primal Radio and all good podcasts. Obviously, listen to us. You already know that. <laughs> <laughs> Best show in the business. All right, everyone. Peace out. You have been listening to Primal Radio in association with Primal Gym and Primal Promotions. Primal Radio is available on all good podcast venues. To help us grow, please subscribe, like it, share it, and leave us a great review.